Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Hi, everybody. And we are glad you're joining us for today's sermon discussion on vital values. Um, Part of our series, Look to the Rock, based on Isaiah 51, verse 1. Correct? That's right. Okay, good. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, as soon as I said this, I thought, (laughs) oh, I didn't write that down. I I test in the moment. Yes, a test in the moment. Absolutely. And this past, so this past Sunday, we talked about the values and I like that you started out with what it, what a value is. So it's something valuable, worthwhile. Um, and as well as, as well as valuable and worthwhile, it describes how we at Covenant Church would approach life mm-hmm. together in a, in a family. And what it is not, it's not about style, it's not about a niche niche or a product differentiation or a consumer-based approach to our life as a family. You know, I think there are a lot of uh, different terms that we throw around. I think vision and mission are two that are kind of out there in the wider world that a lot of people use. And I think values is another one where uh, it it can be connected with a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And it just felt important for me to basically, even with this word to say, this is how we're using it here. This Mm -hmm. is around here. When we talk about our values, this is what we mean. And, Mm -hmm. and, and obviously the, 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 the key, the two key ideas there are that these are not surface things, but they're really deep things. These are, these are deeply informative of who we are. And, um, they really are meant to be not theoretical or purely aspirational. It, they really are meant to be descriptive of what life looks like around here. I mean, when you watch several people interact at Covenant or work together on a project at Covenant or see them sit around the table, the session table at Covenant, it, it should look like the, these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, these should be lived realities for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, I, I like that you say they're descriptive and they're aspirational. Like, mm-hmm. this is how we would like to be described, and this is how we would like to be to be living. Because yeah. obviously, we are all he- fallen humans, and you know, even when we hold these values, that doesn't mean that every moment of the time we are living them out. But if we're not, we hope to be called out. Yeah. It's, it really is. I, I think, that, and what you just said, is really important. We hope to be called out. And, and I do think there is a sense in which we are saying we are agreeing that, to this together. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to be able to lovingly, gently be reminded, hey, in our family, um, that's not how we do it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's not, that's really not consistent with who we are. To, to be able yeah. to do that, I think is really important. Yeah. So um, let's get into the values since we've talked about them. Um, And it's so helpful to me. I remember when I was interviewing for this position, 
And we were sitting in your office and you said something about, and these are our values. And you kind of went through the list and how do you react with that? And I was like, that's a lot to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What one can I remember right now in the moment? Right. And so having that structure of toward God, toward Mm. scripture, toward others, just those three things really helped me frame this into like, oh, I can remember two things that I need, two values in my attitude towards God, one value in my attitude towards scripture and two values in my attitude Mm. towards others, Um, which I found super helpful. And I hope Mm. others do too. Um, Yeah. And I I, actually, Michelle, I appreciate just to pause there for a moment. I appreciate mm -hmm. you calling attention to that because one of the things I was up against in this sermon and in this series was, man, the last thing I want to do is say covenant is a people of lists. We've got this big, long list of our beliefs. And then we've got this big, long list of our, of our calling. And then we've got this big, long list and people going, blah, what? Okay. So what in the middle of all that matters? So one of the things that I worked really hard to try to do was to show how all this ties together. This is, you know, all the way back in our sermon about our beliefs, I said, here are some implications. Well, now we're getting to the lived implications. And a lot of them are the things we already anticipated in, in the message on beliefs. And, mm-hmm. and they, they flow through our calling. So I, I hope it doesn't feel like a kind of, okay, there's that, and there's that, but much more of a, this leads to this, which leads to this. Mm-hmm. I, I hope there's an of courseness that we can see in this. That's certainly the intent of those who crafted these Uh, Mm -hmm. these things yeah and I think yeah I think there is and it's also helpful to have that of courseness pointed out yes right right which is what I hope I did those are connections I'm seeking to make but yeah um, Yeah. they're not always obvious right off the bat right right so starting with um, the two values we have in our attitude towards God one is expectant and the other is yielded. Um, and so in expectant, you talked about um, Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus says, I am with you every day to the end of the age. And so it's expectant, expecting that God is present with us. Yeah, and that that, that, that really is a difference-making experienced reality and not a theological notion it's mm-hmm. not something that we believe it's something we live into i mean yes we believe that but it's right. something we are living into together this is one of the things that uh, sharon has talked with me obviously about some of the philosophy behind the be still and no bible study and one of the things that she and her leaders have have named and i just love it is we believe that the most maybe the most important thing you can know about our time together is that we believe that Jesus really is present in our midst and that that can make all the difference for the work he does in our hearts and the work he does between us. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what this is getting at is that sense of, yeah, this is not just something we affirm and put on a shelf, but it's like, I, every time I walk into a room with you, there's already another person who's there. I walk down the hallway and that other person walks with me. I come into a meeting and he is already present in that room. We sit around the table and give thanks for a meal because he is right there with us mm-hmm. uh, in the hard conversations I have with my kids or whatever, you know, it, in conflict, he is there, he's present mm-hmm. and, and yeah. difference making. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the tradition in the Jewish faith of having the um, at the Seder meal, the empty chair waiting for Elijah. And it's like, I wonder what it would be like. And it would probably feel really cheesy for a little while, but it might help us live into this reality if we left a chair at the table for Jesus, if we set a really place cool. at the table for him. I think that's really creative. There's, there's a great, I think it's an Amish prayer, something like, Lord, you are the, you are the uh, silent guest at every meal, the hidden guest in every conversation or something like that. I can't remember how it goes, but mm-hmm. I love that sense of anticipation with that. It, yeah. Expectancy bleeds over into anticipation. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. When I meet this with this person in conflict, it's not just that person and me. It's three of us. Mm-hmm. He's here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we come yeah. into this planning meeting, he's here making his wisdom known and his encouragement and his challenges. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's helpful, I think, to visualize where is he in this, in this moment, right? If I'm in a, in, a converse, in a conflict and I'm feeling threatened, is Jesus in front of me protecting me? You know, is he next to me, strengthening me? Is he behind me, watching my back? You know, I mean, if when I'm in a conversation um, around the table in a meeting, you know, where is Jesus' presence yeah. in this meeting? Yeah, and, you know? and yes, and I love that. And all of those things are probably true. And there's probably often in a conflict, as we're talking about that specifically, mm-hmm. there's often a way in which he is in what the other person is saying to us, much as we don't want to hear it. Um, yes. You know, I remember my dear friend, Danny, I had a really painful conflict with someone uh, in the church a long time ago. And, uh, and, and he said to me, David, I wonder why God has allowed this man to be in your life. It's like, Danny, that is not what I want to hear. I I just want you to, I just want you to, uh, be angry with me. And, and instead this perspective that he brought was exactly what I wanted to hear. It's just a reminder that, um, yeah, he may even be in the conflict. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and refining each person in that conflict in the midst of it all. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, which actually dovetails really nicely into yielded, right? Because we need to be yielded to God's work in our life and surrender to his direction and his will. Uh, just... Sharon just read a devotional thing. Um, I think it was a John Bailey prayer that talked about um, my life and altar and his spirit, the flame uh, this morning as we were reading a prayer together. And, um, and I just thought, yeah, that whole idea of a life offered back to God as offering. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is that so radical and challenging um, and so biblically central as mm-hmm. an idea that surrender all those words that in our American and U.S. citizens vocabulary, all the words that we've stripped out of being a slave to God or, um, or uh, submitted or surrendered. Um, subject, subject to exactly, a king. Those th- yeah, the king, exactly. <laughs> those things all come in here. And boy, we've, we've just got to understand them, I think, to lean fully into the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And, and there's such freedom in those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, what freedom there is and joy mm-hmm. in being fully yielded. Oh, yes. 
And Sunday morning in our community group discussion of the sermon, um, one person said, you know, when I'm wondering, am I yielded in this situation? I ask myself, what fruits of the spirit am I exhibiting? And that helps me to evaluate my level of yieldedness to Christ and to the Holy Spirit. And I thought oh, that was great. super helpful. Yes. Yeah. So tangible and practical because, yeah, because the ultimate yieldedness, and we've said this so many times, we'll keep saying it, is I end up looking like Jesus. And in fact, that's anticipating where we're going this Sunday for the last message in the series. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of the spirit, that's, those are the various facets that uh, when we live those, we look like him. Right. Exactly. And towards scripture, we are thoughtful. And I, I love this word because it just reminds me that we don't study scripture for knowledge's sake. We don't study scripture just to know what we know. We study scripture to get to know Jesus, to get to know God, to, um, and, and to handle it rightly. Right. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the challenges um, of our walk is to handle scripture correctly or rightly and thoughtfully. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, we've been having conversations as a lead team, as you know, but I think this is probably the, the, of all of them, this may be the value that is most easily misunderstood if people just glance at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what you're saying is you actually have a, have a liberal view to scripture. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you heard me repeat probably four different times. We absolutely believe the scriptures are fully trustworthy and authoritative. Mm-hmm. What, what, it, what this acknowledges is that in the mystery and the mysterious purposes of God, he did not hand us a tidy book with tidy answers <laughs> to the categories of questions we have. But he handed us a library of wisdom gathered over a thousand years. And it's all his. It's all, it's all biblical truth, but written through human authors in different languages and different cultures and all that. So um, I think we can sometimes fool ourselves when we, we make sort of bald statements about the trustworthiness and authority of scripture in a way that assumes that well, then everything else is just kind of automatically clear from that point forward. It just, everybody's going to agree. They're all going to see it the same way. And, and if you don't, it's because you don't believe scripture. Well, no, I mean, actually like some of the whole faith and science conversation traces back to people passionately eager to properly interpret Genesis chapter one and to submit themselves to its truth but, but understanding that in different ways, some as a more of an emphasis on the literary genre and others just kind of just, let's just look at the bald statement. And um, yeah, so I think this is, this is one of those places where I think there can be a reflex that says, oh, so this is where you guys are. And this is a place mm-hmm. we would want to have thoughtful conversation about where we actually are on mm-hmm. this. Because there's, there's, I, I hope that it was clear that there's nothing I said that in any way expresses anything less than a full confidence in mm-hmm. the authority of scripture as, as an utterly and completely truthful revelation of God for his people. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And, you know, one example of treating scripture thoughtfully, I think, is, um, oh, I was in the Psalms this summer, and I can't remember exactly where, but it says something about, you know, seven times a day, I bring my praise to you, or I pray to you. Mm. And so, you know, some monks take that very, very seriously, and they, and literally, and they Mm -hmm. pray seven times a day. And you could also take it figuratively as in the seven is the number of completion in the Bible. And so it's my whole day. I am looking to you and I am praying to you and I'm expectant of your presence, right? Yielded to, your, to, to you during my day. And so I think that's where we, we would be thoughtful in how we handle that scripture. Yeah, absolutely. And part of the challenge is that we would affirm that there, that every one of our central beliefs about mm. who Jesus is, our need for a savior, that we're sinners who desperately need his saving work and that we can't contribute to that, all of that, those things are so clearly laid out in scripture. Mm-hmm. And we can affirm those things together about the authority of scripture, about the missional nature of the church as a community of love. Those things are, those things are, are spelled out in scripture. But part of being thoughtful means coming to something like that and saying, okay, so there actually is a legitimate biblical basis to say it could be understood this way or could be understood this way. Mm -hmm. So we do our homework and try to arrive at our best understanding of what it communicates. And then we hold that posture in theological modesty and say, it may well be we're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, And so we keep studying and we keep our hearts open and keep trying to understand the culture, the setting, the um, the, the discerning what God's voice sounds like as he speaks through his word and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And um, moving to the values towards others and our attitude towards others, we have two, we have intentional and we have gracious. Mm-hmm. And um, under the intentional value you talked about being relationally intentional, committed to our personal spiritual growth and committed to, to be the one to take that risky first step. And um, in our discussion on Sunday morning, we talked about um, considering this active versus passive. Like we don't just sit back passively and wait for things to happen to us. Instead, we step forward and are active and take that first step to reach out to our neighbor or to reach out to that person who we think might have an issue with us or to reach out to the person who is new and who doesn't know anyone else. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think, um, you know, one of the, one of the really fascinating parts of a life that opens up to God, I think Tennyson said something like our wills, uh, my will is mine to make it thine. Um, and so one of the cool things that happens when we go through a Nicodemus like experience of that being born again, that we'll be talking about later this fall and, and experience inner transformation, uh, our wills become, I think in many ways awakened to walk the ways of God, not to mm-hmm. do it perfectly. As you said, at the opening mm-hmm. of this, we can't do it perfectly, but as the spirit equips us more and more faithfully, we can do that. So we, our wills actually, instead of our wills kind of being um, uh, boondoggled by our feelings and dragged into wherever our desires are going, our wills 
begin to come into their own as redeemed human beings. And part of what happens in a redeemed will is, is it begins to act in, and it acts in a way that mirrors the way God has acted. My will is mine to make it thine more and more. What I am about should mirror what God is about. So his intentionality in pursuing us becomes uh, mirrored in our intentionality in pursuing the people that God places around us. I think that's a really cool picture of this kind of vibrant and engaged will. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we tend to just go, oh, just frustrated by this, uh, doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I know I should do. And then in, in emerges this new reality, which is very fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, and then the way we engage, right? So we are deliberately, we choose to engage. And then the way we engage is gracious yeah. and thoughtful. Um, I, I um, appreciated the scripture you brought out, Luke 6, 32. If you only love those who love you, what sort of grace is that? Which is really true. It's just, it's easy to love those who love us. It's not so easy to love those who don't appreciate us. No, that's exactly right. And one of the things that I alluded to in the message is that I think, I think grace, not grace like, uh, being a good dancer <laughs> and not oh. tripping over your toes, but, but the real biblical notion of grace of, a of giving what is not deserved or earned, which includes the ability to start over with someone or mm. forgiveness or moving towards someone who has neglected or failed you or, or all, all kinds of things like that. The ability to overlook offenses, um, there is just no accounting for that in this world. The, the, our world is, is so justice bent. It is mm. so quick to conclude and condemn and be done with a person, uh, plunking them in the opposing camp. And, uh, and I think there's just no accounting for grace in our world, which is part mm. of what makes it so attractive and compelling mm. and so necessary to our witness. It's why Jesus spells out love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, and so on. Mm -hmm. I, I'm inviting you to live in a way that is a radical departure from the way the world does things and the way things come naturally to your heart. Mm -hmm. And evidence I, that is of the reality of God. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and that is evidence of the reality of God. And and it, it permeate, permeates our all of us, like all of our interactions with people in person, in writing, whether it's with the, with the written pen or pencil or with, uh, on social media, um, every interaction should be infused with, will be infused with this graciousness when we are yielded, expectant, thoughtful, intentional. Mm. These are all like, that was the one thing as we were discussing these on Sunday morning, I realized like, we can't just pull one of these values out and say, this is what we are, because then we can be pushed to an extreme or we can go to an extreme. But when we look at these values as a whole, um, you know, there's five of them, right? So it's a whole hand, you know, then we can say, oh, that's going to keep us from going to an extreme in any one area. Mm -hmm. And they talk to each other. Like, I can't, be thoughtful about scripture without being yielded to scripture and yielded to the work of the Holy spirit. Mm, I love that insight. I think that's great. Um, so I mentioned that 
there were a couple of these that were that were open to potential misunderstanding. Certainly, the thoughtful one is. I think the gracious one is the the one that's probably the second mm. most open to the possibility of being misunderstood. Um, in that we have a world that says just accept everyone, and mm. this mm-hmm. this sounds so much like that that it could easily be mistaken for uh, for moral uh, ambiguity and and wish wishy washiness. Mm. No, 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 no. The, um, the scriptures make it so clear that grace and truth reside alongside one another. It's never a, which, which uh, hand am I going to hit you with grace or truth? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. or, you know, grace or truth, you know, it's, uh, right. but both are always operative all the time. And I think it would be uh, easy to misunderstand. So this is why the analogy mm-hmm. you just shared is so helpful um, that we are in formed in the way we are gracious for me to be gracious to a neighbor whose lifestyle uh, is not one that I believe is biblically consistent is not for me to condone sin. And it's not for me to say, uh, Hey, whatever floats your boat. Um, And it's not for me to abandon biblical truth or universal morals. It's to say, this is a way that Jesus models moving towards the prostitutes, moving towards the Pharisees, moving towards the many people whose morals or theology would have caused him offense, he still moved towards them with grace and mm-hmm. invites us to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the will yeah. mirroring his. Yeah. Yeah. He moves towards them and he was willing to be born of them. Right? Like I'm in a Bible study and we're in the book of Matthew. And I was just reading the notes this morning talking about his genealogy, you know, Christ's genealogy, his very human genealogy of people who were sinful, who needed a savior, who needed him to come and rescue him. And he was willing to be born of humans as well as of God in order to save us. And that radical submitting of himself for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. is is the humble the humility of his heart that we're going to be exploring this coming sunday and i think mm-hmm. in some ways is the pivot point of the whole christian life mm-hmm. mm. and there is a good place to end <laughs> how's that for a segue <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us today david uh, thank you michelle i always enjoy these conversations I do too. I really do. And we hope that you are enjoy them as well, our audience, whether you were here live or um, recorded later on our blog or on our podcast. We are glad that you've taken time to join us and um, trust that you have um, learned and uh, have been provoked to thought and action from this discussion. All right. Have a great day. You too. Grace on y'all.